0: That's uh, what has made the blessing about this book, I believe. Our prayer points uh, or our points of of interest here as we finish up this book are going to be the three strong points that he has emphasized through his letter, um, prayer, faith, and doing, and not necessarily in that order, but they make up the heart of uh, what James was passing on to the church that he was uh, placed in charge of at the time. And we know that he was mainly concerned because his interest and where he was at, he was in Jerusalem. He was the head of the the, uh, Jewish converts there that had given up themselves to receive Christ, to believe in him. Many of them had witnessed firsthand his many miracles. And we know, Lord, that... uh, we know, Lord, that uh, even though um, James and much uh, his brothers were, were not followers of Christ through most of his ministry, that they did come to know him and accept him as Lord and Savior. And we know that, that uh, the Lord uh, honored James with talking to him personally to reassure him and affirm to him that he is the Lord, he is the one. And James proves his acceptance of Christ as Savior by willfully giving his life, uh, you know, to stand for the kingdom. We also know that many uh, that were the original first converts there, not all, but we know that many were poor. These were people that... um, Many places were displaced. Many people that had uh, were dealing with the fact that we know James addressed the issue of of the wealthy people not paying um, the wages of their workers on time. And we know that it was expressed that, you know, the Lord wants you to pay your workers daily because many people They didn't have checking accounts. They certainly didn't have a debit card or a credit card that they could go down to the local supermarket and and buy provisions. So after they had finished their day of working from from sunup until uh, uh, the uh, evening um, time, they went and had to buy food. And for many, that was the only meal they had. And for many, it was also a way for them to pay for a night's or a week's lodging so they had some place to lay their head. And um, we know that many, uh, being just the day laborers that they were, this was a very tough lifestyle for them. So they were people that were willing. They had saw the works of Christ. They had seen firsthand how he healed people and had given them hope. And they, they were willing to step up and accept, and they needed this encouragement from James. Because I believe, you know, um, we learn as, as we go along that about the time that you step away from being a worldly person and leave Satan, he tends to target you and target those around you, Lord. So this was a letter of encouragement to them. And one of the things that he was stressing here was in Psalm 50, verse 15. The Lord says, Call upon me in your day of trouble, and I will rescue you, and you will honor me. And isn't that what the Lord wants us to do? He wants to provide for us, to take care of us, to take care, heal us, to be our sanctifier, our justification and our Savior, and then for us to worship Him, to give Him the glory and place, and the praise, because by golly, you know, we can do this through Him. And in the third sentence here, as we go along, it says, I'll paraphrase this, is any one of you cheerful or happy? Don't hesitate to thank the Lord for that, too. When we are cheerful and when we are happy, we need to share that. We need to share the blessings that Lord gives us when, we are, when he does heal us, when when you have had a surgery and you come out of it better and you are healed up. and And, and it is true. Sometimes the Lord does not choose to heal. But he knows what's best for us. He always has our best in mind. So we need to remember that we need to honor the Lord and all that goes on in our life, our, our blessings as, as well as, as the times when we struggle a little bit because we know that he is always with us. In verse 14, he states here, he says, Is any among you sick? He should call upon the elders of the church to pray over him and anoint him with oil in the name of the Lord. Now, there's a call to action there, and that call to action is from the sick person and i uh I may be wrong here, but how many of us do that? How many of us when we're when we're feeling sick or we're we're uh, we're troubled and and maybe heading into an area of of discomfort and and yes maybe pain maybe it's mental and anguish but lord our, i i wonder how many of us think to call our elders that is what they are there for he's given us the elders because these are people we have chosen in our church that we trust in maturity and that we should take advantage of of asking them to come. Now, in the old days, before we had modern medicine, they, uh, if you read up about what anointing is, you find out that it was actually, they would rub down the entire body. And because back in those times, uh, some oils were known to do some healings. Um, I have a story to tell. Um, I remember as a young child, my grandmother was a, a uh, lady from the desert in West Texas. And uh, I remember getting some type of flu or a bad cold. And uh, her cure for that, where the go-to at that time was mustard plasters. And uh, I want to tell you, it worked. And it was it was amazing. She uh, took this yellow powder out of this can and mixed it in some water and spread it out on this uh, warm, wet towel and slapped it down on your chest and then covered you up with all these blankets and in about a half an hour, I started feeling better, and I slept well that night and, and got up the next morning, and I was good to go. And that happened more than once. Um, let me hand out a warning with that. Uh, please uh, make sure that you do some research because uh, um, mustard plasters can, can actually burn the skin if it's not done correctly. But in the ancient days, that's what they did. They had what God provided for them and and, uh, oils from plants and and nutrients from plants and different things that they used for medication because they certainly didn't have the science we have today. And the symbolizing of anointing with oil, now if you look at in the uh, Greek verbiage, you see that it is generally is a smear. If, if you've ever watched Pastor Gary anoint someone with oil, you'll notice that it's usually from a small bottle, and, and there is a smear that is placed across the forehead. And it is uh, done symbolizing our trust in the Lord to do it with us as is best for us. But we need to understand that we need to have confidence in our Lord that he will do it. And also understanding that he may choose to do it differently than we would consider. And then verse 15, as we look at verse 15, it says, And the prayers offered up in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise him up. And if he has sinned, he will be forgiven. Well, that's a pretty astounding promise there. Prayers offered in faith. The prayer of the sick person, the prayer of the elders, the anointing of the oil is offered, and we give it up to God in faith, believing that the Lord will lift us up. So how's your faith doing today? This week, the last maybe month or so, because We've had some real challenges to uh, the comfort of our lives and and our normal routines. And sometimes uh, how we live and what we um, become involved with uh, doesn't fit somebody else's schedule very well. So um, understanding and being confident and unified in our hope. That's why we as Christians need to communicate with one another. And that we understand that all is Christ Jesus and that He will raise up that sick person that has prayed in faith, believing that the Lord will heal him, however he chooses. Because we know that God has the best for us. And this is uh, kind of the best, is not being like you consider nowadays you go buy a car and they want to guarantee you that they have this warranty, you know. But our promise is absolutely perfect from the Lord. He He will give us what is best for us. And he will do the one thing that just astounds me, included in this promise of faith, is the fact that we are forgiven. Because we know that we all sin. None of us is righteous. No, not one. And it is... Wonderful to know that even though you're suffering, you are forgiven. But we need, to, we need to understand always that we need to believe. That is the action that all believers, all teachers of the word, all of those who wish to to go on to the, to the glory of the riches, is we need to trust in the Lord. And, and he knows. He understands us even better than we understand ourselves. And then we come to verse 16. Verse 16 says, Therefore, confess your sins to each other, pray for each other, that you may be healed, for the prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. And uh, as our great teacher, Sunday school teacher says, there's Always a good thing to put in front of that word, therefore. What is it there for? Well, we have a transition into action here again, and that action is obedience. We need to always be working towards our obedience. We need to confess one another. And I don't know, you only know this yourself. Um, how often do you sit down with your... Best friend in the church and someone that you know that you spend time talking about the lord and and confess the sins that you've you have had that you've thought in your life or problems that you've dealt with that you know you have not done it righteously well we we're, we're told that we are to do this and we say how? well, first of all, the power to confess will come to us from the Helper. And all we have to do is ask. Jesus says you do not receive because you do not ask. So ask. The Helper, the Holy Spirit, teaches us to be obedient in confession and in prayer. And the one reason why confession is so important is that if we have unconfessed sin in our life, Do you expect that the Lord, or do you understand or misunderstand in your mind that when we have this unconfessed sin, we have virtually shut the door in the Lord's face? A righteous and holy and loving God cannot help you if you are not honest with him, if you are not walking and trying your very best to live in truth. And once again, the helper will help us do that. That is why Christ said, I will send you a helper so that you can accomplish all things in your life through Christ Jesus. John 9, 1 John nine says, If we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Now, we know this is the Christians of so ourselves. And Acts 3.19 says, repent and turn to God. King David said in his Psalm 32, verse 3, I kept quiet about my sins and my body and my bones withered away. Unconfessed sin can eat you up. Unconfessed sin can cause you so many problems. They've already proven beyond a doubt how stress in in, uh, the life of of people can literally uh, destroy them, can take them to the grave. But we also know if we read two more verses down that said, David said in Psalm 32, verse 5, I acknowledge my sin, my iniquity, my iniquity I did not hide. And he received from God the blessings. And once again, we also know that we've heard that God always provides us with a way out. And if we're hiding sin, I hope if you have that going on in your life, that you understand we have a way out. And that way out is confessing. James 4, eight entreats us to come near to God. He will come near to you. Wash your hands and purify your heart. Yes, that Christian bar of soap, I mean, how wonderful is it on a, when you're hot and sweaty and tired and worn out and used and abused to get in and take a nice warm shower and let that cleanliness just wash over you. The reviving and the, and the healing it brings to your spirit and your tired body is just exactly what we need, and it is so wonderful. And as we speak the truth and as we confess our sins, God opens up what real freedom is. He gives us freedom. We become victorious. We no longer have to kowtow to, the, to that sin that we're hiding in our life. We've confessed it. We've got it out. And he will be faithful to forgive us. How refreshing is that? That should put a smile on your face. And then James concludes his instruction that the prayer of a righteous man can accomplish much. That is genuine freedom, right thinking, joy, peace, happiness. We can praise the Lord with a clear heart And a clean, clean soul. And then we come to verse 17. And I, I think this is probably the most special part of this whole letter to me. Is that he makes this statement that Elijah was a man just like us. Now, if you've ever read in, in 1 Kings chapter 17 and 18 about Elijah, it's really hard for me to understand it, to think that Elijah was a man just like me. But that story tells how Elijah... Even though he, he trusted the Lord, he feared the Lord, so he did what the Lord told him to do. But that does not mean that he did not have fear, that he did not worry, that he was not frightened, because he most certainly was. And the God had to take him up to a place, and, and, and he made those statements that he was on the mountainside in a cave, and the Lord passed in front of him with a mighty wind. But the Lord was not in the wind. And there was a great storm, with probably hailstorms and lightning and flashes and thunder. But the Lord was not in the storm. And Elijah was asked directly, Elijah, what are you doing here? Now, there's no condemnation there because God knew he was afraid. He knew what had happened to all those that had gone against uh, the the evil Ahab and his wife Jezebel. So God knows. He knows what we need. And the fact that James takes this and puts this in, in his letter to let us know, let the, the men and women and the children that would understand this, that they would be able to understand that even... Someone as close to God, as obedient to God, that God fed personally and looked after personally, that he was just like us, Elijah. Oh, Lord, I thank you so much what a great example Elijah was that you answered his prayers that you caused all those things to happen and yet even though Israel had walked away from you Israel had sinned greatly that Lord you were willing to love them right on that spot to bring them back Elijah prayed and it rained And even Jesus spoke of Elijah in Luke 4, 25. Read that as you're going on about your day today, maybe thinking about this letter from James, his brother. Now in verse 19 and 20, uh, James offered a warning to the church. And he had given this warning earlier in chapter 3, verse 14. And it's about self, selfishness, ambitions that are, are not righteous, ambitions that are not godly ambitions, and envy, wanting something that belongs to somebody else. And we are told not to boast and not deny the truth of a matter, saying that if we stray and wander from the truth, and we are brought back to the truth. Whoever loves a person because this person has wandered away, whoever loves that person back to the Lord? As James says here, he says, if someone should wander from the truth and, and, and another should bring him back, remember this, whoever turns a sinner from the error of his ways will save him from death and cover a multitude of sins. And what that's actually saying there is he will save the person that wandered from death because without Christ in your life, you will die with Christ in your life you will live even if you do die. And the multitudes of sin, yes, the person that returns, God will forgive that sin, but you that loved on that person, you received that, that gift also. This is talking about, about the person that loved his brother, that saved his brother from making that wrong decision. Laura I hope you've um, it, it's helped you to understand a little bit about this book. The love and commitment that James writes about in here is simple. Anyone can understand it, I believe, and if you really need to get in and 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 scrub every word through a concordance and uh, and look at every possible definition that there is for the language that was used. That's okay. go ahead and do that, but if you're a person that's a little simpler, maybe doesn't require all that to have faith in your lord this is this is a good book to read. It's a good book to spend some time in and understanding and if you have some doubt about what's going on with you in your life, check it out again and again, <laughs> okay, that concludes what I have for the book of James. We will be starting for the next session that we have, we'll be starting in Ephesians. So prepare yourself this week. And before we go, I know I'm going to run a little bit long here, but we must say Hosanna. Hosanna in the highest. This is Palm Sunday. If you want to Read about Palm Sunday. You can go to Matthew 21 and read Matthew 21. And and it will talk about this is Jesus' triumphal uh, entry into the city of Jerusalem. He is now coming and preparing himself and his disciples for what is going to take place. For the completion, for the obedience of what God had him come down to earth to do and the fulfillment of prophecy from Zechariah 9.9 and Isaiah 62.11. And Jesus comes in riding on a donkey. And it was common back in those days for special people or, or uh, kings to ride in on, on a donkey because a donkey was a symbol of peace. And it symbolized, you know, that there was goodness and so we know that Jesus is the perfect peace. And as the crowds were shouting, Hosanna, Hosanna. Now, Hosanna, by some interpretations says Save now, by other interpretations says, Oh save. And that crowds were calling him King. We know that most of the crowds were. Misunderstanding Jesus' purpose because they were thinking that this, this king, this deliverer, this redeemer was going to save them from oppression of a, of a government, not from oppression from Satan. They had mid-read that part. But God had a plan for true salvation, to deliver the whole world and salvation to all who believe. And this gives you victory over death. Read in 1 Corinthians 15, 55. Read in John 11:25. 25. Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life, and whoever believes in me, he will live even though he dies. So this week... As you'll probably go to the stores, and I know we've got little sugar bunnies and we've got Peeps and we've got all sorts of of candies and toys and buckets and and, uh, things out there and Easter eggs and, and, by golly, everything that does anything but point to Jesus Christ, the reason for this season. You know in your heart what's different. Don't be afraid to express it to your family and your friends. Focus on this gift and think on these things. Lord, may you richly bless them and keep them. Lord, make your face to shine upon them and be gracious. Lord, turn your face towards them and give them peace in this week as it comes about. Lord, thank you so much for being able to provide for us a way to meet together and be together and share our love for you. And all the children said, Amen.